welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and it is Super Bowl week, everybody. Let's freaking go. Chiefs Buccaneers, Super Bowl 55, LV. I love it. You love it. Let's talk Super Bowl 55. I have the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast regular joining me, Mr. Andrew Erickson. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore Andrew. Happy Super Bowl week. Dude, it is the arguably the best week of the year leading up to the Super Bowl. Absolutely love it. So excited. Everyone gets into the, the prop bets. We got some DFS going on. It's just a ton of fun for what should be hopefully a grand finale. I know we all projected to be a close game and that usually happens and but sometimes it doesn't. Let's just hope that you know we got Brady, we got Mahomes. That's what we wanted. So entertainment. Feed it into my freaking veins. In this podcast, we're going to, you know, alter up the order a little bit. It's the Super Bowl, after all. Want to quickly go through some of the takeaways from the first matchup between these two teams back in Week 12. Go through some of the takeaways from the playoff run. Then get into the nitty-gritty, some of the key matchups in the Super Bowl. And then finish things off with some of our favorite bets, DFS, and, of course, game predictions. So thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Andrew, let's get things started with this first matchup. We had the Buccaneers, or, excuse me, the Chiefs. Chiefs went out to a two-score lead almost immediately, held it throughout the whole game. Brady and company got them back into it towards the end, but truly the defining narrative was the Tyreek Hill problem. First quarter alone, seven catches for 203 yards and two scores. He finished with 13 catches for 269 yards and a trio of scores. Why was Tyreek Hill so freaking unstoppable in this first game, Andrew? Dude, Carlton Davis just was begging for Tyreek Hill to run some slants on him. He just was like, please, God, like run some slants on me. That's the only thing I can stop. Basically, anytime Tyreek Hill was matched up with Carlton Davis, Mahomes is going right to him, whether it was in man coverage a lot of the time. If it was a one-on-one you know, matchup, Mahomes is like, whatever, I'm going to my guy Hill, and he'll just beat Carlton Davis every single time. You know, in coverage, nine targets, nine catches, 208 yards, and three touchdowns allowed by Carlton Davis with Terry Kill in as the primary receiver. So the big difference is that Jamal Dean didn't play in that game. So I think that is a, a big upgrade that the Chiefs will, or the Buccaneers will have in the Super Bowl matchup, which we'll kind of get into a little bit more later on. But that is one thing, you know, Carlton Davis is not a speed corner. He's a bigger corner and he really struggled against trying to cover a guy like Terry Kill. And we've seen him before, though. You know, he's played a lot better against the Michael Thomases, against Devontae Adams. Like, those are some better receivers that he better matches up with. The Tyreek Hill matchup was just absolutely brutal for Carlton Davis. And that's why, you know, we saw Tyreek Hill just absolutely go nuclear um, in that last matchup. Yeah, Carlton Davis was really on his way to almost, you know, getting in that kind of top three cornerback conversation before getting 200 put up on him. It reminded (laughs) me of Amari Cooper just going off on Jair Alexander last year. And, you know, it's such a hard thing for these shadow corners because, like, even just getting that like role from your coaching staff like having them having the trust in you to put you one-on-one against the team's best wide receiver like that alone should exclude you from any argument saying you suck or whatever but man you give up over 200 yards to a dude in a quarter i understand why there was some backlash but truly michael thomas had nine yards 33 yards and then zero yards in davis's direct coverage alan robinson had the most other than tyree co at 62 but it took him 11 targets and eight catches to get there Devontae adams 33 yards 31 yards dj moore 55 yards yeah, I mean, Carlton Davis, okay, Tyreek Hill, his speed presents a newfound problem. Tyreek Hill presents a newfound problem for everybody in the league, not just Davis. Hopefully getting Jamel back will help. That's a great point uh, with getting him back. And Vita Vey as well. This will be an improved and different Buccaneers defense than what the Chiefs saw before. But, Andrew, let's face it, nothing worked against Patrick Mahomes in this worst, in this first matchup. I mean, Tyreek was obviously the star of the show, but Buccaneers really didn't get anything going against Mahomes. No, they really didn't. They tried blitzing him a little bit there too. Nine blitzes and Mahomes just basically absolutely destroyed the blitz. I don't understand why teams blitz elite quarterbacks. It it seems like it just doesn't ever work. You are basically just sacrificing another guy in coverage to maybe get pressure onto the quarterback when in most cases, especially with someone that's elusive like Mahomes or even like an Aaron Rodgers, especially even with Josh Allen season, you know, those guys all just destroyed the blitz. Like, you just got absolutely nuked whenever you ran those types of plays. And that's what happened when the Buccaneers played the Chiefs in this first matchup. Mahomes, six for nine for 109 yards, 11.8 yards per attempt and two touchdowns. And on, you know, of the nine dropbacks in which he was blitzed, he only got pressured on four of them. So the other five that he just was able to throw the ball on, he just absolutely destroyed the Buccaneers defense. So that's going to be an interesting thing to look out for in this upcoming matchup. Will Todd Bowles continue to bring the blitz? 
with all of his guys or will he be more disciplined and be like, no, we're going to wait back. We're going to sit in zone coverage and Mahomes is going to have to meticulously, you know, trickle down the field, which is something that, you know, for the most part, we don't think that the Chiefs really like to do. They want to score really fast. They want to put up points. That's what they want to do. But it'll be interesting to see if the Buccaneers are disciplined on defense to be like, no, like we are going to make them earn every single yard and not just give up the big play. And as we've seen throughout this year, like it's not like this has necessarily been a kryptonite of the Buccaneers defense all season long. They've had a very good defense for most of the year. The Kansas City just exposed the hell out of it. I mean, when opposing quarterbacks have had at least three seconds to throw, the Buccaneers ranked third and seventh in explosive pass play rate and yards per attempt allowed. Like they've actually still held up fine, even when the blitz doesn't get, get there against mortals, not against Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and these freaking dudes. It truly is amazing just how good the Chiefs have been with Mahomes against everything. We have all these really cool behind the scenes PFF stats where we can literally look at production against specific coverage types. And dude, I pulled everything two man cover zero, cover one, cover two, cover three quarters, cover six, even in the red zone, the chiefs have been a top nine offense in the EPA <laughs> per pass play in every single one. And the only one they're outside the top seven is cover zero. And honestly, like that's like their lowest kind of frequent one. Cause nobody wants to run cover zero against the chiefs. You're asking them to freaking like, throw one over the, the Patriots, head. the Patriots that run cover zero. Oh that's, that's probably where the split is from. Just like from one or two pass attempts from when the Chiefs played the Patriots earlier this season. Basically, man. So you can force him to get the ball out quick, but then you got to deal with Kelsey and Tyree Kill in space, or you can, you know, invite him to sit back, pick you apart, or just take off and run. And now the fact that we're getting reports that uh, Mahomes' foot is close to 100%, it's scary, man, because we all know how quickly they can hit those big plays. Again, that's exactly what we saw in that first matchup. But watching them just, you know, nickel and dime the Bills efficiently as all hell, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts in that AFC championship almost more scary so you know it's I'm, I'm happy i'm not being paid to figure out how to stop uh this chief's offense because to this point i'm really not sure there is a way to do it the one time that mahomes has lost and seemed like somewhat mortal was a couple years ago against the colts when they lost 19 to 13 and tyree kill didn't even play that game so man good luck tampa bay i think they're gonna need to you know probably win a shootout in this one and to their credit tom brady wasn't a good start started the game off with four punts just one first down but afterwards the this Buccaneers offense moved the ball pretty well. Hey, man, the Chiefs ended their game with three punts. So, okay. so, don't, so, okay. so don't necessarily, you know, Brady started out slow. Definitely. He definitely started out slow. But something that I noticed and I picked up when I looked at the splits from his first half to his second half that really stuck out to me was the first half. He threw the ball to the slot one time. He threw one target to the slot the entire first half of the game and for more intensive purposes, it's been the slot that has had the most success, whether it's from receivers or the tight end position playing against the Chiefs. You know, any looking at most of the metrics, it's really hard to parse between, oh, well, you know, the Chiefs are really bad against slot receivers or they're really bad against, you know, perimeter receivers. They're really good against kind of both of them. But if you're going to lean towards one, it is the slot they are a little bit more vulnerable to. And that's what they made the adjustment. The The Buccaneers started to throw to the slot a little bit more. In the second half, Brady was 9 for 13 for 109 yards and one touchdown. So you see, obviously, Chris Godwin is the primary slot receiver. But Mike Evans also plays a lot in the slot as well, which, again, people kind of pigeonhole him as this outside wide receiver. But he really moves around in the formation quite often. He's actually pretty efficient when he does move into the slot as well. Actually more efficient than Chris Godwin. So... That's something that they need to continue to do from the get-go is make sure that they're using Godwin and Evans in the slot and really looking to, hey, just sacrifice whether it's Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, you know, Tyler Johnson, one of these other receivers out to the outside, just be like, hey, just run some sprints, run some go routes, you're fine. Yeah, and I wonder if not have, potentially not having Antonio Brown out there could lead to even more Evans in the slot because he was hitting literally 30 snaps per game in the slot before they got A.B. in action. Obviously changed things with adding another wide receiver to his caliber. But, you know, you put Scotty Miller on the outside, it would make sense to have Evans inside a little more. But, yeah, man, so as I was saying, four punts, one first down. But after that, drive five for the Buccaneers. They go 86 yards for a touchdown. They kneel at the end of the half, 67-yard field goal drive. Then Brady throws back-to-back -back interceptions, one-on an underthrown deep ball. He got pressured a little bit. Another one got batted. I think he actually threw it off the defender's helmet at yep. the line of scrimmage. Either way, these were two interceptions that were, you know, actually going into Chiefs territory. And then he finishes the game off with back-to-back 70-yard -back touchdown drive. So, no, Brady did not play great. I'm not trying to say ignore those two interceptions or anything like that. But realize that they were consistently moving this ball, particularly in the second half. And, hey, man, Chris Goblin, Mike Evans in the slot, that makes sense to attack them there. So, uh, I like that. And we'll see if they continue to uh, combat that part of the 
the problem is, I guess we'll just kind of stick with uh, what's been going on with the Buccaneers here uh, throughout the playoffs now. Like, Brady... He's been playing good, not great in the playoffs, man. Like, I understand when is a win is a win. He looked spectacular in that first half against the Packers, but he's shown us some highs and lows so far. I agree. He's definitely not been the crisp Tom Brady that has been, you know, an MVP candidate necessarily so far in the playoffs. Again, the 55% completion percentage is probably the worst, I believe, of all quarterbacks in the playoffs that are left. I think there may be one guy, you know, in there that, you know, eliminated in the wildcard round or something like that. But I mean, he's not getting a ton of help from his receivers. He has like 12 drops on the year. And but when you factor in even adjusted completion percentage, which actually kind of takes into consideration the the drops, it still like ranks near the bottom. So yes, he's not, you know, completing as many passes as maybe as we'd like to see. But at the same time, he's also throwing the ball downfield probably more often than any other quarterback, which is naturally just going to cause more incompletions. And it's the upside you're getting. So, okay, they're they're completing less three-yard gains. And I think the big thing, too, is they're just running the ball so much on early downs. Like, it's, it's honestly putting Brady in really not great spots for him to succeed. If you look at how many fa- third and longs that they faced last week, they faced eight third and longs, where I'm looking at seven yards or more. And Brady was nearly perfect on all of them. 153.3 passer rating. Bruce Arians is doing nothing to help him by just making them run the ball on first and second down with Fournette and Ronald Jones. And yet Tom Brady is going, you know, six for eight on third downs with a whopping 141 yards, passing 17.6 yards per attempt. And Tampa Bay continues to run the ball on first down 65% of the time. I saw, uh, I think it was uh, Stephen Ruiz, uh, who is, is, is a great Twitter follower for everyone out there, uh, uh, writes out the win, I believe. But he had a point where it was like Bruce Arians and it was like, Bruce, like tell us about like your go-to play. And it was like 22 duo or just some, you know, some run like up the middle. And uh, Stephen was just like Chiefs by 30 or whatever. So yeah, man, like for someone that made their living, no risk it, no biscuit. We've been standing Bruce for years. Like now, why is he picking now to take his foot off the gas? Brady's been throwing the deep ball better than ever. The times we have seen Brady look mortal has been due to pressure. He's only completed six of 21 passes when not kept clean this postseason. He actually had the seventh most severe drop off in yards per attempt when under pressure versus when he's kept clean. Like that has been his problem this year. You would think you could have him throw more in situations where defenses won't be bringing that sort of pressure like a first and 10, like a, you know, second short. But at the end of the day, the Bucks have run the ball on first and 10 on 52% of their chances this season. That's the seventh highest mark in the league. And look, I understand that, you know, here at PFF, it's like, you know, in our job description to bitch about, you know, teams like running the ball too much and whatever, every single time, never, ever run the ball. But like, they're not even doing it well. And that's the frustrating part for me. I mean, you look at those situations where they're running in first and 10 and like they're in the bottom eight offenses in terms of just yards per carry and explosive run play race. So it'd be one thing if they were running on early downs and having a bunch of success with it, but they're just seemingly being like stubborn about it. So kind of take us into our next point about, uh, you know, playoff Lenny. We all love it. Great stick. I appreciate it. The guy's been playing well. He's probably going to be leaned on far more than any Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan would want, though, this week. I'm going to have to agree with you there. Playoff Lenny is definitely a thing, and there's going to be no incentive for Bruce Arians to stop running the ball on first down because when you look at the Chiefs last four weeks, they've allowed five yards carry to running backs on first down. So, Again, I don't love it. I wish Chiefs would, you know, just stack the box, but they're probably going to invite it because that's what they want. They they want Braid to have to throw it on third and long potentially, and that's where their defense is at its best, where it can create turnovers because that's kind of where the defense is. That's kind of both defenses in this matchup are really defense that want to. We're not trying to stop you, you know, you can't pick up any yards, like throw the ball against us, and we're going to make turnovers and create interceptions, get sacks, things like that. But yeah. Leonard Fournette, again, outtouched Ronald Jones last week, 17 to 10, 69% snap share, excuse me, in the NFC championship game. And yeah, I mean, Leonard Fournette's really been the guy. It's really the pass catching usage. And it's so weird because he just makes these terrible drops too. And they just keep going back to him just because at this point, like who else are they going to turn to? They can't look to Ronald Jones. His hands are even worse. He has one catch since week 15. Uh, Leonard Fournette has 27. So the pass catching role is solely his, and that really works well in the matchup against the Chiefs, who have given up the most receiving yards to running backs this season. And then with Ronald Jones, it's just, I mean, yes, he's an early down grinder, and there's been at times where he's been a more efficient runner. I think that 
you know, if I had to take one guy to be my, you know, early down back, I would still prefer Jones. I think he does still offer a little bit more juice and potentially in this matchup, I wouldn't surprise me at all to see him potentially break off a big run, especially coming off two weeks of rest. We know he's been banged up with a quad injury. He's had that finger injury as well, but he's not going to catch any passes at this point. So at least with Fournette, you can have the confidence. Hey, he's going to be relied on the passing game, which if the if the the Buccaneers are trailing, that means Fournette's going to get a lot of usage there and he's still going to be the the quote-unquote starter get them Jordy work on early downs and really unless he's like super inefficient I can't really see them just turning to Ronald Jones you know unless you know for a series or two yeah over the past uh two weeks Keyshawn Vaughn has played zero snaps after losing a fumble in the wild card role that's kind of funny us maybe potential Potentially a two-time Super Bowl champion, LaShawn McCoy, which just sounds ridiculous to say. Yeah, revenge game, right? Because <laughs> he didn't get to because he didn't get to play. <laughs> oh my god! I really hope he's not a healthy scratch. Two Super Bowls in a row that'd just be too much. I, I, I miss Eagles. I miss mid two. I miss mid two twenty ten. Shady man, that dude used to literally cut on a dime like no other. But he's played three snaps with no rushes or targets over the past two games. It's gonna be Fournette and Ronald Jones. I do wonder, like. I know Fournette's probably still going to be the pass-catching guy because I agree with you. I mean, as bad as his hands are, Rojo's are somehow worse. But Ronald Jones, he's been dealing with his quad issue. Now he's had an extra bye week to get healthy. He's still had 23 carries over the past two games. Man, we'll talk about DFS later, but that discrepancy with Ronald Jones sitting at 2,200 on DraftKings, like he's the cheapest guy on the slate I think we can feel even somewhat good about his workload with. I agree. I think that Ronald Jones is going to be a value in DFS. It really just depends on like ownership because we're having this conversation right now. And if it becomes a point where, you know, Ronald Jones just generates so much hype that, oh, he could potentially be the guy then actually, you know, it causes an issue where Leonard Fournette then becomes the the actual play. And in reality, he is the play like yeah. he is the clear you know running back option you want in this game um, just because Ronald Jones also is not is totally game script dependent. If the Chiefs or if the Buccaneers fall behind in any way, shape or form, Ronald Jones is. He's on the bench. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's where he is. Next to LaShawn McCoy. <laughs> there is a very, very low, low floor there for uh, Rojo and the artist formerly known as Shady Indeed. All right. So okay, they'll run the ball more than we want to. But let's face it, the big players are going to be coming from this passing game. Antonio Brown, again, he hasn't been practicing. He's still dealing with this knee injury. We'll see, though. And you know what? Like, as good as AB still is, maybe he's not, you know, the same world beater we saw for the better part of the last decade. But still anyone's idea of, you know, at minimum an above average wide receiver. They look pretty okay with Scotty Miller and even Tyler Johnson out there. I mean, Andrew, this, I don't want to say, in our notes, I said this uh, wide receiver group is low-key littered with ballers. I think it's probably (laughs) high-key at this point. We're going to the Super Bowl. But, man, like, it's far more than just Evans and Goblin out there. It's the it's almost the complete opposite of the the Chiefs offense where you have it's so concentrated on Hill and Kelsey, whereas the Buccaneers offense is just across the board there's just so much depth and all these receivers can do different things you have mike evans who is your you know quote-unquote alpha wide receiver on the outside he's a jump ball guy he can get open with route running he's an end zone guy he can do all those things and you have chris godwin who's a slot receiver but can also you know win downfield he's really underrated as a downfield threat you know he's caught in a lot of deep passes from brady over the last couple weeks so those two top guys are you know anyone's idea of a top wide receiver unit you know top two wide receiver duo in the nfl so then you have adding to the mix antonio brown obviously who's been one of the nfl's best wide receivers at points in his career you know he had a stretch where he was clearly the nfl's best wide receiver and then you mix in some of these lower you know not as well-known guys scotty miller yes he is a white receiver but he does not play the slot like that's just not his role i get everyone's trying to make him edelman and wes welker and all these guys for tom brady in the offseason but you know we all knew it we all knew dude this guy's fast he's a vertical receiver on the outside and we saw um in the nfc championship game when he absolutely you know burned kevin king on that deep touchdown to give the buccaneers another touchdown before heading into halftime so he's got wheels and tyler johnson dude I am excited to talk about him next year heading into the draft. You know, Chris Godwin, I think that is he's going to probably re-sign with the Bucks, but you know, Tyler Johnson is going to give it all to try to get a job in this Buccaneers offense any way shape or form. Maybe it takes till 2022 until Chris Godwin is gone potentially for him to have a full-time role, but I mean, I was looking at some of the Minnesota stuff when I was researching Rashad Bateman, who's a draft prospect for this season and 
Tyler Johnson kept popping up everywhere. And I was like, who is this? This is the same Tyler Johnson. It's like the guy has a great college profile. And, you know, just when he's made catches this season, I don't, I don't know when he throws, when Brady throws in the ball, it just gives me these Malcolm Mitchell type vibes where I'm just like, Brady trusts this rookie receiver, this fifth round rookie, you know, kind of flying under the radar, but Brady seems to trust him. And I, I would not be surprised at all if he has a key catch um, in this game. Yeah, I'm fully anticipating Scotty uh, gaining most of the DFS ownership and being the more popular play. But, you know, neither of these guys are going to see more than three targets. It wouldn't be the craziest thing if Tyler happens to make more out of his one or two than Scotty. Man, the Scotty Miller, uh, him, him, you know, roasting, uh, who was it? Uh, Kevin King or Kevin King. Yeah, Kevin King, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago in the NFC Championship. Like, I, I have this ongoing just shtick that at least I think is funny on my Twitter where anytime a white guy does anything, I go, you know, oh, what a, what a gritty gym rat, <laughs> coach's kid, first one in, last one. <laughs> out patriots wide receiver-esque uh, play <laughs> by them so i'm being you know or trying to be funny about it well chris carter comes out like this week and unironically says no the only reason he got open was because the cornerback underestimated him for being white so whatever it is man <laughs> scotty miller certainly can get behind dudes on the outside and yeah he is a force to be reckoned with on as a true field stretcher he's caught eight of nine catchable downfield throws at least 20 yards downfield for 312 yards and three scores he's truly been doing it all season and yeah, man, it will be interesting to see where uh, Chris Goblin goes if he comes back. Because if not, that slot position does will seemingly be Tyler Johnson's. If, you know, quickly off subject a little bit, if Chris Goblin does lead, do you, do you have a preferred landing spot for him? Dude, he's just so good wherever he would go. I don't know if there's a spot wherever a quarterback. I mean, I think that the Colts make a lot of sense, but it depends on if they what they do at quarterback, yeah. because he would automatically become the alpha there. So in a dome, I would really love that to see. Maybe if wherever, maybe wherever Deshaun Watson goes, let's, let's go with that. You know, Chris Godwin, just follow Deshaun Watson. We have these like the, we have this list of free agent receivers that all have Deshaun Watson on speed dial, just waiting for the call. Like Deshaun, like where are we meeting up? Like the Avengers It's like, hey, last year Tom brought everyone to Tampa Bay. Is it going to be everyone just goes to Indianapolis? Just like, hey, they play in a dome. Like this will be great. Let's all go to Indy. I'm going to throw one out there. He wouldn't be the alpha, but Arizona, man. Larry Fitz yeah. leaving the slot there. We, we know they love their screens. Goblin's a yak monster. Don't be don't be discounting that. I, I threw up a you know wide receiver wish list and had Goblin going to uh, Arizona. And everyone's saying, oh, I don't like that fit. Let's get Kyler Murray multiple good weapons. They run want to run four wide receivers. I would like to see them compliment him or nuke with someone other than Christian Kirk. I'm not giving up yet, but hey, let's get the guy some more weapons. But let's uh, reverse course a little bit, go over the Chiefs and some things we've learned about them in the playoffs and i think one of the big storylines we've touched on already a little bit but mahomes like his health man and it wasn't always obviously the concussion kind of dominated the storylines but the toe injury was arguably you know more impactful just in terms of will he be at 100 once he's out there you either clear the protocol or you don't once he clears that you know we're seemingly hoping he's okay but the toe is the issue it seems like he's just fine though i'm not worried about him and i'm probably going to play some bets on his rushing props on the over for Patrick Mahomes because up until this point basically until this last game and the game where he got hurt we've always seen him hit his rushing ceiling in these playoff and postseason contests so I think that his rushing prop right now is at like 20 yards on most books so that's something that I really am now taking you know more consideration into especially you know that we're talking about this right now you mentioned that you know Mahomes is you know he's practicing in full with the toe like it's not an issue he's back almost to 100 so that's the news i want to hear and that's the news that you want to jump on you know as these books start to update their lines and on certain props so i think that patrick mahomes is in in solid shape i mean last week look he didn't rush for any yards he had five attempts and no scrambles but he was fine moving around in the pocket which is really more or less what he wants to do anyway but it's a super bowl like the guy's going to ball out and do whatever he can to win the game. He's pacing Tom Brady. Like <laughs> he doesn't have a choice but to lay it all on the line because it's those of the Super Bowl. And that's what he always does in the playoffs anyway. So I would expect nothing less than for him to continue to be able to use his legs. And he's probably going to have to because that pass rush is going to be coming. As Dan Fouts once said, last game of the year, Brent can't hold anything back now. And you look at Mahomes in these seven career playoff games, you know, first first year, eight rushing yards, 11 rushing yards. And the playoff in the Super Bowl run last year, 53, 53, and then 29, and had 14, and then five. So, you know, 20 is probably a good line, but we've also seen him score, uh, let's see, four touchdowns in that span. So if you like, I believe he's at plus 1,800 to uh, score the first touchdown of the game. I don't hate it. They are not afraid to no. use him on option looks around the goal line. And again, if we are getting reports that 
that his foot is closer to 100%. We know how his foot got hurt in the first place, you know, them running one of these uh, design QB runs. Uh, but yeah, and it doesn't even need to be that, man. He's tied for fifth with 8.3 yards per scramble over the last two seasons. Only Taysom Hill, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, and Ryan Tannehill have been better. It's almost unfair how good Mahomes can still be athletically and also have, you know, the arm to put it anywhere he wants on the field. But hey, I guess that's why the Chiefs have been so damn good. And it might honestly need to be him to kind of carry the load on this run game because it doesn't really look like the Chiefs are going to be running the ball with the running backs too much here, Andrew. Got to take the unders on all of the Chiefs rushing props on these running backs just because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to stop this this run this running game for the Chiefs. Maybe the Chiefs, you know, deal with it a little bit in the first half. They dabble in it. They give Clyde Edwards a layer, a couple carries, maybe get Le'Veon Bell in the game. He might be inactive. Who knows? Daryl Williams, you know, give him a carry here, here or two. But, I mean, the Bucks' defense has just been elite against the run all season long. And, you know, Vita Vea was on a pitch count last week. And now he's probably going to be in full. And he was arguably their best defensive player before he got hurt. And it didn't stop them at all from being an elite defense up front against the running back. So, for me, those running backs are just so tough to analyze from a rushing perspective. And really, you got to look at them from a pass game perspective and see, okay, which one of these guys are going to use in the passing game? We've seen Darrell Williams kind of be in that role for a lot of the season. But last week, we saw Edward Slayer, you know, run more routes than Darrell Williams, which is something that I look at. Again, the targets weren't really there for either of them last week. But, you know, Edward Slayer was kind of the starter. He played a 70% snap share for the first three quarters and then... After that, it, there are mixed reports. Some people have said, or I've read some things that he got hurt and they took him out or he was being inefficient. So they benched him. I mean, my more, I was more intent, like the way I thought of it was the fact that Edward Solaire, you know, they were kind of in control of that game at that point. So it was like, hey, let's take him out. Like, let's rest him. That's the way at least I looked at it. And that's why I think Edward Solaire is still kind of like the guy we should view as a starter in this matchup. Ian, do you kind of think differently about the split? I would lean towards Clyde, but I do think it's still going to be two backs. Yeah, and it, w- it would be kind of funny if, uh, you know, poor Le'Veon, but if they keep in, keep bring, <laughs> they keep bringing in these veteran running backs only to make them a, a Super Bowl healthy scratch, it's like, come on, next, guys. Next but, year, it's going to be uh, it's going to be Todd Gurley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, that's actually a pretty decent call. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think the answer to Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Daryl Williams is probably just no or, you know, bet the unders because, you know, Tampa, they dare teams to pass, and that's why they face the highest percentage of pass plays with with at least eight defenders in the box in the league this year. So yes, they have a fantastic run defense, but they have a fantastic run defense because it's pretty much their single focus trying to shut it down. And again, usually when they're not playing the Chiefs, it's okay. They still hold up fine in the back end, even when you know they aren't able to get pressure with some of those ferocious guys they got in that front seven. But the Chiefs aren't like everyone else, man. They rank dead last in run play rate in the first half this year. I mean, they show up in the stadium with the intent of throwing all over you and doing it in a hurry. Somehow, they, again, were up multiple scores pretty much the entire game in week 12 they called 20 runs in 70 plays like i don't know what it's going to take in this one for mahomes to you know have anything under 30 pass attempts and you know like that was the bills strategy as well and it worked the first time around the second time around they pretty much you know they left the running lanes open again and mahomes decided to dink and dunk and do freaking magician shit because he's the best quarterback alive for pretty much the entire game so yeah it's one of these situations where uh yeah i i I don't want anything to do with the Kansas City running backs because I don't think they want anything to do with their running backs. So expect them to air air the hell out. And hey, we got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It makes sense. Andrew, I mean, these guys are, I think, you know, at this point, without doubt, the number one, one, two punch in the league. They have to be, you know, talking about just looking at the last game they played, you know, 72% of the team's targets went to Hill and Kelsey and 89% of the team's passing yards went to these two guys on the same team. So and that's the thing. You have this duo where that was what the Bills were lacking. You know, they had Diggs, but they didn't have anybody else that could really step up and take pressure off Diggs. But here you have Tyreek and Kelsey, who just honestly reminds me a lot of kind of like Randy Moss and Wes Welker, where you have this guy that's just such a threat on the outside and everyone needs to pay attention to him at all times. And you just have the other player that just eats over the middle of the field and gets all the targets. And, and that's kind of what it reminds me a lot of. It's just 
two of they're very opposite players you know they don't have a similar skill set but but it's because of that they don't have any overlapping skills necessarily where that's what makes it so effective in our for their offense and when you combine that with Patrick Mahomes that's is what you get you get the best offense in the NFL and it really shouldn't come as a surprise that we saw this offense be so efficient when Alex Smith was the quarterback because these guys were on the roster and then when you add in okay now let's add an elite quarterback oh boom now we have the best offense in the NFL and we've literally lost one game all season the 55th big game is this weekend the celebrate football finale DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game that's right all it takes is for one touchdown to be scored Sunday night and boom your money is doubled sounds like a no-brainer to me download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game that's promo code PFF to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night season finale only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older New Jersey Indiana or Pennsylvania only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or in Indiana 1 809 with it. Yeah, and what makes it even just harder to wrap your mind around is the fact that, like, all right, you would think that Tampa Bay giving up that many yards and that much production to Tyree Kill, like, okay, they must have just been focusing on Travis Kelsey and shut him down. Nope, he caught all eight of his targets for 82 yards. Like, these two have just been unsolvable. It's not like teams are picking one or the other. They're just freaking getting gashed by both of them. And you know what? I think it's, uh, like, I I would say that, you know, I wrote an article last week called basically saying Tyree Kill is the key that unlocks the best version of the Chiefs offense and I do agree with that just having that speed I mean this dude has been considered open or wide open on 31 targets 20 plus yards downfield over the past three years nobody else is even at 25 like okay we know Mahomes can put that thing on a dot however far downfield he wants half the time Tyreek has a good five yards on the dude and don't even need to make it hard for him so Tyreek's got that going and then we got Kelsey who we call a tight end still but man like one of the easiest ways you can just point out someone that just is not watching the games is like oh you know Kelsey makes his living on linebackers and safeties bro he put Denzel Ward in a blender in that Browns game and then proceeded to truck some safety on his way into the end zone he's been averaging over the past uh, three years 2.54 yards per route run from the slot or out wide not as a tight end as a pure wide receiver that's fourth among all players with at least 100 targets again he is a number one wide receiver that we happen to call a tight end it's a shame I wish you know he would be considered a wide receiver because he'd be making a hell of a lot more money than he currently is but that's going to pretty much wrap up our playoff recap. Before we get on to the specific Super Bowl matchup, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at Monkey Knife Fight. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least 20 bucks in their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fast-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA and Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF. PFF Edge annual subscription. Last chance, everyone, to play some prop and daily fantasy football games. Do not miss out. And that's with code PFF. Andrew, Super Bowl matchup, main event. Let's get it. The big thing, the biggest way, in my opinion, it's, I'm not going out on a limb here. I think everyone that's anyone's been talking about it. If the Buccaneers want to win this game, they're going to need to dominate this banged up Chiefs offensive line. Agreed. And this is giving me such 2007 Patriots Giants vibes from their insane defensive line to the fact that that's what stopped when it wasn't what was it thought of as an unstoppable offense. It's deep passing attack that couldn't be stopped because of, you know, they had Tom Brady and this unstoppable offense. But it was the pass rush that got to them. And it, it is a concern because of the fact that the Chiefs are missing a lot of key starters, missing the two tackles you look at the pff o-line d-line chart you know that's the biggest disadvantage in the trenches this week is the chiefs passing when the buccaneers are on defense in terms of pass rush so again i I think tampa is going to be able to get home with four guys and that's ultimately what they need to do to win the game because we talked about before how mahomes you can't really blitz him because he's just going to rip it apart but last week aaron Rodgers again minus a david bakhtiari one of the best left tackles in the league He got sacked five times, none of which were on blitzes. So that's a really big concern for me. And again, Mahomes and Andy Reid obviously have had time to combat this. They're going into the matchup. They know that they're going to have to potentially get the ball out quicker. So that's why I think it's going to kind of play into the Buccaneers defense hands a little bit where they're they're going to get the chance to play more zone because the the, the Chiefs won't be able to potentially take as many shots downfield. But again, you know, there are these quick passes where are the reverses to Tyree Kill, which can create big plays so it's not like 
oh, well, now they won't have any big plays. And it's like, no, like they can make big plays off screens, off bubble passes, like things like that with Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman. You know, that one play, I think that you tweeted out a picture of it where there's like 12 Chiefs players in the backfield. It's like, <laughs> okay, like who's going to get the ball? Like nobody knows. Like plays like that are what's going to create the big plays, I think, for the Chiefs and not necessarily like Mahomes, you know, seven step drop, you know, running around a little bit more and just like chucking the ball downfield. I don't think that's what they want to do in this matchup. So I do think that the Chiefs O-line is going to have some issues with the Buccaneers pressure, but ultimately Mahomes and the offense are going to find a way to get it done. And that's the problem when you're playing the Chiefs. Even when you can actually get in the right position, you understand the pre-snap motion because they use motion at a top five rate, but they've been the most RPO-heavy offense for the past four years. Even when you actually play things right, then you're in a situation where you're, like, you're one-on-one with Tyree Kerr or Travis Kelsey, and you're going to lose that battle. And yeah, I think the play uh, you were referencing, it was like third and two versus the Browns. They put Tyree Kill in the backfield. Miko Hardman goes screaming across the formation. They give it to Tyree Kill going the opposite way. And somehow, throughout all this the Browns defended all right but then the guy couldn't get Tyree Kill in the open field because who can they pick up the first down so just I mean the amount of plays they have that can just exploit you know even one week link on the defense is amazing but yeah man this this does seem like the uh, clearest path to victory for the Buccaneers replicating that 2007 Giants game that I'm sure is just you know fresh in your nightmares as the as the resident (laughs) Patriots fan that you are I would just point out I mean it's not even just Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz that are sideline we got backup center Daniel Kilgore who's on the COVID list. He needs to continue testing negative in order to suit up Sunday due to being a close contact. And I mean, also, you look at their offseason left guard edition, Kalishi Osimele. Uh, he's been on the IR since week five. And then a, a longtime starting right guard, Lauren Duvernay uh, Tardif, excuse me on messing up both those last names, I'm sure. But he opted out before the season to help treat COVID patients. So, I mean, you know, spectacular by him. But we're truly looking at an offensive line down four starters at this point. They got a bunch of undrafted free agents, a guy that was cut from Pittsburgh about two months ago on the starting offensive line. I mean, the fact that Chiefs have made it look this easy, even with all these injuries, is just a testament to how special um, Mahomes and those guys can be. But man, there's a defense that could make them pay. It is the Buccaneers. They were second in the league in Havoc rate this year, only behind the Steelers. Havoc's a fun stat I like, where you basically take tackles for a loss, forced fumbles, interceptions, deflections, pressures, divided by plays. So again, it's going to depend on, can they get that Havoc with four guys, or can they get it with you know six or seven? Six or seven is where they're causing problems but to your point i do think they have a good chance of getting it done with four so andrew with that you know kind of the line of scrimmage figured out which secondary do you think has a better chance of winning against these receivers and tight ends because again we got two talented passing offenses on both sidelines i know i talked up jamal dean at the beginning potentially guy runs a 4-3 40 yard dash so if anyone could potentially you know stick with tyree kill you know maybe it's jamal dean he's also actually been really good um or much better at covering the deep ball than some of the other corners on the Bucks, but I'm still not going to go with the the Buccaneers as my choice because again, you know Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are just on another level. So for me, I still think it's the Chiefs' defense, and I think that it's still super underrated across the board. Their defensive backroom filled with guys like Brashad Breeland, Lajarius Sneed, the rookie who's been really really good this season. He's arguably been the best rookie cornerback and he was drafted way later than anyone really anticipated so he's been a really great player for them this year uh Chavarius Ward another corner and obviously they have the Honey Badger so an insane playmaker on the back end they have all the tools in the secondary to you know stop this Bucks offense and like I said before you know the Bucks offense is a lot easier to stop because you don't have to necessarily take away one guy it's it's much more spread out so it's really can can they win an individual matchup and the buck the Chiefs defense matches up well against what the Buccaneers offense does well in terms of throwing the ball down the field and again over the regular season the Chiefs allow the fewest receptions second fewest receiving yards to the wide receiver position I mean it, it, there's really not that many weaknesses in the Chiefs really the only thing that's kind of glaring with their defense is the tight end position they do have a little bit of weakness against that especially in the red zone Kansas City actually ranks 31st and passer rating allowed 125.9 on end zone targets to the tight end position so yes is Cameron Braid or Rob Gronkowski going to catch a touchdown this game probably I would probably I would bet money which we can do anytime <laughs> touchdowns we can actually bet money that either Cameron Braid or Rob Gronkowski will score a touchdown in this matchup can't tell you which one yet Stay tuned for the bets part of the segment. <laughs> but yeah, besides that, it, they are really strong defense across the board. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, on this very podcast last week, I made a $40 candle bet on Gronk scoring, <laughs> ended up being great. But hey, now I have a fantastic $40 winner dog candle. So you tell me who the real loser was there, ladies and mostly gentlemen. But I do, I mean, yeah, it's, all right, I think the Buccaneers have a better defense, but it really isn't by that much. And the Chiefs, I mean, have more than enough to make this a long afternoon for Tom Brady. I and mean, we're talking about the 12th ranked defense in their own right and pressure rate. No, they're not the Buccaneers or Steelers, but they're still top 12, which is very good. And they've just been a great bend, but don't break defense all year long. And they combine that with the playmaking ability, with the ability to, uh, you know, force uh, negative plays. And it helps them end drives. I mean, they rank fifth and 13th in explosive run and pass play rate allowed. And the fact they've been able to do this, you know, with their offense putting up points as quickly as they usually do is a testament to all those guys you mentioned, particularly Tyron Matthew. I mean, you got to find out what this dude is lining up every single snap. He spent over 275 snaps at all at each of free safety, box safety, and slot corner this year. I mean, he was responsible. He picked off one Brady pass and he for, had the pressure that forced the other one in that first matchup. So that's going to be the big thing for me. You know, okay, like we're talking about the secondary, and I know PFF, we've done studies over the you know the years that do show coverage uh you know she's prioritized building up your coverage versus your pass rush but i think brady man when we've seen him and we're talking about you know the giants uh pass rush you know kind of being uh, an example of why mahomes could be screwed but same thing for brady honestly again i mean he just has not been able to handle pressure really all season long and i mean the list of guys that we kind of see up there with him you know it's not going to make you feel good because he really has been reduced to a shell of himself when he's been under pressure the only guys that have had you know a bigger drop off in yards per attempt when under pressure versus kept clean drew lock jared goff nick mullins ryan Tannehill, baker mayfield joe burrow like brady is the man when he's kept clean still he can still make almost any throw on the field but as we've seen when he's under pressure you know he, he can't go anywhere and when you try you can't go anywhere you either gotta take a sack or you gotta try to you know get the ball out and probably you know to, to throw it to someone that you're not ready to throw to so yeah we'll see uh, how the secondaries hold up but honestly i think we're gonna have a good idea how these offenses are gonna be moving based on what's going on at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball with that said andrew i feel like we've broken down majority of these matchups here who is your potential under the radar x factor on either offense so one thing that i've noticed in terms of the trends with this buccaneers defense is they've been doing a lot of they've been doing a great job of trying to limit the production of the wide receiver ones that they faced over the last couple of weeks so they faced Devontae adams michael thomas terry mclaurin and calvin ridley and in all those matchups Really, it was a secondary receiver that actually did more of the damage. Last week, it was pretty close between MVS and Devontae Adams. But, you know, Adams' week last week was no one's definition of, oh, he had a great game, you know, absolutely fantastic. He had a solid game. He did catch touchdown, but it was not a per-usual Devontae Adams elite game. Whereas guys like McLaurin were kind of shut. Ridley had a pretty poor game, to, especially because he had actually lit up the Buccaneers' defense a couple weeks earlier. So they had made adjustments against Ridley and were able to kind of slow him down. So... I'm looking at Sammy Watkins because he's finally going to come back. And look, Sammy Watkins is one of those guys where he just shows up, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, when he comes back and it's like, oh, wait, this is why we paid this guy. I forgot so that he could just blow up in the playoffs to get 150 yards receiving or whatnot. You have you. So that's the thing with Sammy Watkins is he's been really good in the playoffs for them. The last five playoff games, he's got, you know, 62 yards, six catches, 114 yards, four catches, 72 yards on two catches, 114 yards on seven catches, 98 yards on five catches, all of his postseason games. So he's made it worth it. You know, the Chiefs obviously gave him a lucrative contract that obviously did not look like a smart move in, in hindsight whatsoever, especially because it could have gotten Allen Robinson, I believe, which would have been, oh my God. <laughs> oh man. Okay. That would have just been awful to, or not awful, but you know, awful for ever, every other team in the NFL. It just would have been an absolute bloodbath between this chief's offense. But Sammy Watkins has a chance, I think to have an impact. And he always just has big games when basically everyone's kind of left him for dead, written him off. Oh, he sucks. It kind of brings me back to their, you know, week one game, I think a couple of years ago against the Jaguars. He went for like 200 yards because Tyreek Hill was dealing with Jalen Ramsey. So with all the attention, especially on Hill, because I think that's really what's going to be the Buccaneers' primary focus because he just did so much damage against them the last time they played. I think that we could see Watkins potentially, you know, have a decent game, have a solid game here um, against the Bucs. 
Yeah, Sammy Watkins in the playoffs of week one looked the hell out. And it really is <laughs> funny to think about, like, if they had, like, not blown. Because, okay, he's had big moments. I understand that. But if they were getting the legit talent, to your point, like, literally left you speechless trying to consider what Allen Robinson <laughs> could be like there. Like, it's scary to think about what this offense would be if they truly had, like, the best version of Sammy Watkins continuously playing. Which, hey, when you're paying a guy, at least the original contract, $16 million per year, that is what you're hoping for. I'm taking a similar direction with me, Cole Hartman. And we'll see if he's even in three wide receiver sets because yeah Sammy Watkins is optimistic he'll play through the calf issue we do have Demarcus Robinson who's dealing with the same thing with Daniel Kilgore on that close contact COVID list but man I really hope that they've just seen enough from this guy by now to realize I'm not look you got Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey I'm not saying you need to feature Miko Hartman as a centerpiece of your offense but you know five combined targets and carries per game it shouldn't be that unreasonable we saw last week you know with the 50 yard uh carry where he actually set next gen stats single highest uh speed reach in the playoffs also had the short touchdown he muffed a punt and then he kind of hilariously threw that jacket over his head but guys head back in it with help uh from mr patrick mahomes and look the guy makes plays when they give him a chance only justin jefferson and aj brown have averaged more yards per target than Miko hardman over the past two seasons so i know i i keep chasing Miko. it's going to continue the next offseason I, I feel it but you know again going off the same exact reason that you laid out there where we're expecting Tampa Bay to do everything they can to make sure Tyreek doesn't go for 200 plus good luck you know keeping track of Miko and also Sammy Watkins and man coverage as well because those guys are just as capable of exploiting that all right, we get in some of our prop bets first, and I invite everyone to check out an article we have on PFF.com written by Eric, um, by PFF George and PFF Eric combined compilation effort. Obviously, our for, our forecast guys, but basically their favorite Super Bowl prop bets. And if you want to get it because it is premium content, you're going to have to pay up a little bit. But you know what? You'll make the money back on the props anyway, so it's all free money, people. But use promo code Super Bowl 25 and get 25% off any subscription, Edge or Elite. You know, we also got the 2021 NFL draft guide out 150 player profiles i'm telling you if you want some good off-season reading if you want to just make some money on the freaking biggest gambling event of the year now's the time to do it promo code super bowl 25 to get 25 percent off any subscription that's promo code super bowl 25 andrew we got some prop bets as well i will let you lead it off now you know prop we're going to save our game pick for the end but uh give me your first favorite prop bet all right, so I'm going to go with most rushing yards in the Super Bowl, and it's Leonard Fournette, and it's plus money. So plus 175, he seems like a safe bet. You know, I don't anticipate the Chiefs running backs coming anywhere near. I mean, the way I look at it is Fournette doesn't even have to necessarily rush for that many yards. I don't expect the Chiefs running backs to rush for many yards. The quarterbacks are obviously in play. And even I looked at, I made sure I checked. I was like, okay, hey, what is Tyreek Hill's like most rushing yards in a game? What is Nicole <laughs> Hardman's? Because I know Hardman had a 50 yard rushing touchdown last week. So I was like, oh no, like could they potentially, and that's an interesting bet too. If you look at some of those receivers, because you can get so much plus money looking at Tyreek Hill or Nicole Hardman. If they had like an 80 yard touchdown run, you would be swimming in money at the end of the day. But I think for me, Fournette at plus money, it's basically just him versus Ronald Jones, you know, 1v1. And, I, you know, we talked about it. I think that Leonard Fournette is just the clear play. So in rushing yards, I think Leonard Fournette makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I do maintain Tyree Kill is the best running back on the Kansas City Chiefs as well. But yeah, I mean, plus money on that. I'm shocked he's not at least minus 150. That's, yeah, that, that, that's kind of like my the way I looked at it. I was like, well, why wouldn't he just be? Sorry, all right. If, it, if it's the favorite, it's plus money. Then I just think it makes a lot of sense. For sure. Like those odds. So I like one that, you know, you might scoff at initially, all you listeners out there, but Patrick Mahomes under 325 and a half passing yards. I get it. He is perfectly capable of going over this. We've seen him do it. But when we're getting almost even money on this, like we're just projecting something to happen that doesn't happen nearly 50% of the time. This year, he surpassed 325 yards in seven of 17 games. That's 41%. Last year, it was 29% of the games. Even in 2018, he was at 33%. Like, this is just such an absurd number. And I'm sure when you heard it, you really didn't bat an eye. You're like, oh, yeah, he can probably get there because he is that good. And he has gotten there a good amount. But, like, our standards for Mahomes have gotten so high that we can throw out an over-under 325 and a half passing yards. And everyone's like, yeah, he could absolutely hit that over. And he can. But just realize, again, like Andrew, like, I know you're not standing here banging the drum on Leonard Fournette being this, you know, otherworldly talent. But another situation where I just do not think the odds line up with reality give me Mahomes under 325 and a half passing yards Andrew what's number two 
Ian, I can't believe you came on this podcast and are taking unders. I know. <laughs> it's just one of them. Uh, well, I do have another under, but it's, it's a special one. People will like that one. I know. All right. So my next one is not player player specific. It is just the whole game, and it's over four and a half sacks total. So that is that plus money. Again, I like my plus money. I like to win more than I like to wager. So plus 110 for over four and a half sacks. And basically, I broke it down as sacks per game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers average 2.9 sacks per game this season. Chiefs average 2.1 sacks per game. For those keeping track at home, that's five sacks per game, which is higher than four and a half. So I'm going to go with the over there. It, it seemed like it's it's a pretty 50-50 shot the way I looked at it, but you had better payout when it comes to taking the over. So going over there. Yeah, and aforementioned tackle issues for the Chiefs. Obviously, Brady, you know, has never been someone all that, uh, you know, able to escape rushes. He does it with his mind, not with his legs. I like that call. I am taking Tom Brady over point. Five rushing yards at plus money, plus 155. I stole this one from PFF George and Eric's article. And basically, look, I agree with their reasoning. I mean, who do you want to have the ball when they get down to the one yard line? Tom Brady or hand it off to Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones? Tom Brady, one of the premier QB sneakers that we have ever seen. His rush attempts are two and a half. You know, I don't see him going over that. You know, am I setting myself up to be absolutely just humiliated when the Buccaneers have like a seven point lead and kneel the ball out to end the game? Yes, but you know what? I think the most likely scenario here is that he gets one rush attempt for one hell, maybe even two yards. All we need is the one. And again, for plus money with that, I am willing to uh, make, make a gamble there. So, you know, if it was closer to even odds, probably not. I'm not that crazy, but plus 155 for over 0.5 rushing yards. Hell, he might just take off. He had a 15-yard run against the Falcons a couple years ago. Last game of the year, Andrew. Can't hold anything back. Give me Brady over a half rushing yard. All right, what do you got for number three? You got to parlay that with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl because there's no way that you can fall victim to the negative yardage if the the Buccaneers don't it's win. True. So it's true. any type of, you know, Patrick Mahomes MVP, you know, parlay that with the the Brady on the over rushing attempts. <laughs> Last one for me here. And this is one is a lot of plus money because it's just fun to you know chase some of these more wild types of prop bets. But there's a lot of prop bets you can find where it's two players to score a touchdown. And for me, one of them I liked a lot was Gronk and Sammy Watkins, both scoring a touchdown is at plus 1,100. So I like that a lot. And the thing that's interesting about it and actually did more thinking about this, there's a lot of these bets that are similar to this, whether it's, you know, Gronk and Cameron Braid or Gronk and Mike Evans, you know, guys that are on the same team. And initially I thought, you know, I really wanted them to be on different teams. I wanted Gronk and Sammy Watkins because they're on different teams. They don't take away from each other. But when I thought about it more, I think I actually might prefer looking at two Buccaneers receivers because, in fact, we talked about this. The Buccaneers are not a concentrated offense. The chances of one Buccaneers player catching, you know, two or three touchdowns. I know Mike Evans caught two touchdowns last week, so just, you know, forget that happened. But for the most part, they don't necessarily concentrate on one guy. So the chances of, like, different players catching touchdowns is probably more likely going to happen on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than on the Kansas City Chiefs, where it's really always just been, it's been Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And I know we talked about Watkins and Hardman as potential X-factors, but again, they are X-factors for that reason, because more likely than not, it's just going to be, though, Travis Kelsey catches two touchdowns, Tyree Kill catches two touchdowns, they each have like 150 receiving yards. Like that's probably the most realistic outcome. But on the Buck side, there's a much higher chance that we see much more spread out so i like gronk and uh, you know mike evans a gronk and a godwin whichever kind of pays out the most i think is a really good bet here but i'll, I'll stick with gronk and sammy watkins as my my under the radar player at plus 100 1000 yeah, that will work at plus 1100 for sure. I am taking one last under on the national anthem. I think a minute oh, 59 yeah. seconds is way too damn high. And I have three reasons to back that up. First of all, last three national anthems have all come in at 153 or under. Now we have a limited crowd. Like I don't see them getting up and holding out those notes as much as, you know, just the singer expert that I am and, you know, the <laughs> vocal instrument uh, expert. But look, they're doing co-singers this year. We have one Jasmine Sullivan. Sullivan, the lady who we would expect to, you know, potentially hold out the longer note. She has the better voice. I would, that would make sense to me. She clocked out at a smooth minute 38 seconds back in a 2016 NHL game that I meticulously found on YouTube. And then we got the other guy, Eric Church, country singer, I guess. This dude previously vowed to never sing this song because he didn't like the vocal challenge. Like, does that sound like someone who's going to be trying to stay up there the longest? I don't think so, man. Minute 59 seconds is an insult. 
Get your stopwatch out when this, you know, national anthem kicks off. Your family is going to look at you a little weird, maybe ask a few questions, but the second you win, they're going to feel so much more okay about the rest of the bets you got out there. So I understand it's risky. I guess if, if you miss on the national anthem, that's a bad start in the Super Bowl. I get it. But like, let's face it, everyone, between squares, props, game bets, you're going to be a gambling mess. You might as well like show your family and friends that it all starts the national anthem. And hey, you know, after a few Super Bowls, I can tell from experience, they get used to it. So those prop bets, everybody. I got Mahomes under 325 and a half passing yards. Brady over 0.5 rushing yards. National Anthem under a minute, 59 seconds. Andrew has Fournette to lead the game in rushing over four and a half sacks. And Gronk and Sammy Watkins to score a touchdown at plus 1100 odds. Andrew, I, I like yours a little more than mine. I'll, I'll give you that. Dude, I'm all about plus money. Nobody, I, I still can't get excited for, oh, okay, yeah, Mahomes MVP. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say with the uh, MVP, a quick note on the MVP, Mahomes seemingly thanked uh, thank Kansas City first uh, last year. And the city for the MVP speech is like plus 600 behind, you know, God and family and some other things that, you know, m- might have some importance to him as well. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And Gatorade, orange is the favorite at plus 150 because that was what the Chiefs used last year. I mean, there's orange in Tampa Bay too, man. So I don't hate the idea, though. If you're going to do a money line bet on the Chiefs or the Buccaneers, I mean, just take Brady or Mahomes. Oh, yeah. Makes total sense. So, because uh, it has to be something so freaky that would happen to for a quarterback not to win. And think about last year. Damian Williams, he did <laughs> literally everything you could ask for. And Patrick Mahomes literally did everything you could ask for him to totally suck for him not to win. And he still won the award. So I, you just can't really vote for any other. You can't. It's not going to be a quarterback. It's just so unlikely to happen. It's just. It's not worth it. And Mahomes, two picks, two scores, 286 <laughs> yards. He had the rushing. I mean, look, I think we all know he was the MVP, but yes, exactly. Like, what does someone have to do to, uh, you know, it's been eight of the last 11, and then we had Edelman and two defensive players thrown in there. So eight of the last 11 were QBs. And again, and, and, and the time we saw the defensive players were like these ground out, uh, you know, pretty close games. Game total sitting at 56, everybody. I do not think that's what we're looking for. So yeah, I do like that call to potentially go MVP over the money line. I really Close things out with some quick DFS thoughts before we get to our exact score prediction. Andrew, hit me with, uh, I guess, first your favorite captain to build lineups around and then your favorite Galaxy Brain tournament play stack, which I'm assuming has a lot to do with Mr. Sammy Watkins. So my captain is going to be Travis Kelsey. I'm just going to continue to ride the wave. The guy has a 30% target share since week 15. And I get Tyreek Hill is the, the big play upside. But for me, going with the targets, PPR, baby, Travis Kelsey all day. Lock him into the captain spot. He's going to absolutely eat up this Tampa Bay zone coverage. So I love Kelsey stacking him with Mahomes at my flex. And then for the Galaxy Brain plays, again, Sammy Watkins I like. And Ronald Jones, we talked about him earlier. He's super cheap. You can fit him in a lot of different spots, gives you leverage off a Leonard Fournette who is more likely going to be much higher owned. But look, Ronald Jones sees goal line touches and and there's a chance that he scores a touchdown. You have all the running backs. You know, he actually has a good matchup. And something I've learned all the season is number one in showdown slates, backup running backs have a lot of value. Just ask Kevin Cole. Like he literally (laughs) writes about it every single week and he's told me every single week. And we were on AJ Dillon that week against the Titans when he played in the snowstorm and it was awesome. So same approach here with Ronald Jones. And number two is you want to play running backs in committees that have good matchups. You know, right now it's it's clear that the Buccaneers running backs have the better superior matchup than the Chiefs running backs do. So one of Ronald Jones or Fournette is going to have a productive game in this spot. So I'm going to go with Ronald Jones there. And, And lastly, just from a roster type of construction, I think that a Bucks onslaught in terms of either four or five Buccaneers players and just one Chiefs player, whether it be a Mahomes, a Kelsey, a Hill, I think is an interesting way to build a lineup. We talked about it. Bucks spread things out. So you just play Brady, Evans, Godwin, you know, a bunch of Buccaneers players hoping that the Buccaneers are playing from behind and you hope that, okay, that I stack it with Mahomes and Kelsey because I think it's just going to be those two. They do all the damage. They get all the touchdowns. So concentrate your players with the Chiefs guys and just kind of vary them with Buccaneers players. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the captain with Kelsey. I mean, this dude has caught eight passes in 11 games this season. <laughs> I mean, including playoffs, but that's tied for the third highest mark in NFL history. Again, he's a tight end, but he is truly a number one receiver. Also, if you want to get a little bit contrarian with the captain, I don't mind going with Chris Goblin. I agree with you that, you know, the Buccaneers should be looking to uh, put up numbers in the slot. Obviously, that's where Goblin spend the majority of his time. And by doing that, it makes, you know, the Mahomes, Tyreek, Kelsey stack a little bit more affordable when, uh, when one isn't the captain. But I do agree that Kelsey at that captain spot makes the most sense. I have a hell of a Galaxy Brain tournament play stack that is going to save you all sorts of money, and that is because we are taking the Buccaneers defense at 2800 yes. with Jaden Mickens at the low price Jayden of 200 Jaden Mickens is the Buccaneers kick and punt returner. He had a fantastic game returning kicks last week. The Chiefs, they use Byron Pringle, Miko Hardman, even Tyreek Hill sometimes for high leverage situations, and Mickens at this point, if Antonio Brown is out, I mean, we're one more injury away from pretty much any Buccaneers wide receiver from Mickens being out there. And you only have to go back about a couple months to find a time where he did have five catches in a game. So, look, more, good chance and better chance than not that Mickens plays zero offensive snaps in this one. I get it. We are looking fluky. But, I mean, it's a showdown slate, man. Like, with, we've pretty much mentioned everything other than playing backup quarterbacks, which, hey, you know, worked out for whoever the hell played Marcus Mariota in that one game when Carr got hurt three snaps into it. So, it's truly just, you know, betting on something ridiculous to happen because it is, you know, when you have, let's see, I'm looking at the DraftKings right now, 653,000 entries. Like, you want to get a little bit contrarian. You want to mix things up go get that potential double dip touchdowns that at least Mickens has the possibility of providing if things happen to go wild and look I mean we had that uh Rams Chiefs game the 54-51 game from a few years ago and the defenses were putting up points in that one because they were creating turnovers and then scoring with it so you know we know Mahomes has the offensive tackle problems there's going to be sacks there could be fumbles weirder things have happened with defensive scoring so I know you don't want to play the Buccaneers defense against the Chiefs but if you want a different different shade of lineup again maybe give yourself a chance it's first or last in tournaments man this gives you a good chance of getting a last but maybe just maybe a good chance at first if somehow it goes right so please don't you know if you're making 50 lineups put this in like two of them i am not you know going down in the flames with my guy Jaden mickens but i do think if you are a big time uh you know just multi-lineup user you could do worse than throwing this in one or two Andrew. I like I like the call with Jaden Mickens for sure. That's not someone I, I was on. But I think from a roster construction standpoint, look, at $200, he could literally do nothing. And he doesn't necessarily kill you because there are going to be some receivers that people pay up for, whether it's Harbin or Watkins, that probably also get zero too. Like there's a non-off chance. And by just playing him, it just makes the rest of your lineup different. So if just by playing him, he gets zero points. But then everyone else in your lineup goes off because you can afford the Mahomes, the Kelsey, yeah. the Brady the Tyree kill, then I think it actually can work out. And, and and then if he does hit, then, oh man, like you're bringing home a million dollars. Yeah. And I will just say in general, like a good way to make your lineups more contrarian. Cause the last thing you want to do is just have the same lineup as, you know, 50 plus other people. And then let's, you know, let's say in some wonderful scenario you do win, it's just not even going to be, you know, the payout you're looking for. So don't be afraid to leave a bunch of salary cap, like literally like a couple thousand dollars potentially available. You know, again, it's one game. We're assuming these prices, you know, are kind of in like a per- Perfect, a, a perfect market when they're not at all. So I think, yeah, if you just want to leave, you know, don't leave thousands and thousands of dollars out there. But hey, one or two, you know, worst things have happened. Get that contrarian lineup. Go win the money. And when Jaden Mickens takes the opening <laughs> kickoff back for a touchdown, you know who you heard it from first. Your Twitter mentions are just going to just absolutely blow up. Hopefully, pe- <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, people will stop listening by now. Otherwise, but Andrew, we have gone over everything in this matchup i'm i'm feeling confident what is your final pick and i want an exact score prediction i'm gonna go with chiefs winning this game they have lost one game this season uh, against the raiders that they were actually trying to win 34 28 so they cover the three points so i'm going with the chiefs with the win the spread kansas city I like it. I'm in a very similar train of thought. I got the Chiefs 31, Buccaneers 
21. That was not the final score last year. It was 31-20. Completely different, but also pretty <laughs> similar. So I got a 10-point win. You got a 6-point win. Uh, on the Friday edition of this podcast last week, I talked with uh, Roto Rolls John Daigle. Good episode. We talk a lot of best ball stuff, so definitely still applies. But briefly touched on this, and John brought up a great point, which applies to both of our bets. There's a website, pointsbet.com, and their whole shtick is like, if you bet $100 in the Chiefs minus three, and they you know win by three points, you win a you win a okay yeah you win a hundred bucks or you push if they win every for every point they win extra you get another hundred bucks but if they lose then you lose you know whatever unit you're betting but again Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost a game by more than eight points since he was at freaking Texas Tech in 2016 <laughs> I think we can all agree that Chiefs you know and number one most likely thing Chiefs win a close game number two most likely thing Buccaneers probably win a close game number three is the Chiefs blowing them out so you know I'd, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if the Buccaneers are able to put, put up a lot of points in this one again if you want to just give yourself a chance to have a potentially uh n- nice uh, ceiling for your bet i do think pointsbet.com using chiefs uh you know minus three is a good way to go and they are not a sponsor of the pod if they want to be you know hit us up we're not, we're not hating but truly i just think that gives you the best bang for your buck and again thank you to john daigle for pointing that out andrew that's gonna do it man we did it 17 or what like 20 weeks podcast you and 21 me. weeks 21 weeks 21 well, weeks we i missed the pro bowl last week but that's okay cannot even count pro bowl doesn't matter man trevor simeon declined his pro bowl invite <laughs> no less than four years ago i quit caring about it then andrew let the people know where they can find you what you got on the docket everyone can find me over on the twitter app at andrew erickson underscore if you don't have it download it it's a lot of fun you, it's it's so much fun. We talk about GameStop. So much good stuff to talk about there on Twitter. But all my work is over on PFF.com. Been writing some articles about Dynasty, Dynasty rookie rankings, Dynasty running back rankings, doing some more Super Bowl content, more catered to DFS. So kind of outlining everything that I've researched throughout the week and last week, just kind of all put into one article, all my thoughts, predictions. So you can leverage that to make DFS decisions, make bets. So you can just have fun on Sunday because that's what it's all about. Again, this is going to be fun. I can't believe we made it this far, made it through the whole season. And yeah, I'm already looking forward to the next season. That's at Andrew Erickson underscore on LinkedIn. Make sure you check that out. Yeah, so we got uh, so we'll be back uh, with this podcast on Friday. Ten questions with PFF's own Eric Eager, VP of Research and Development. Want to pick Eric's brain with some of his best bets, and then after that, very excited. Everyone doing a thirty-two for thirty-two series. I only realized today that I'm kind of ripping off thirty for thirty, but you know what? We'll deal with that lawsuit in the future. I'm bringing on a different beat writer for thirty-two consecutive days, going through a quick fifteen to twenty-minute off-season preview for every team. So please check those out if you're like myself and want to get ahead of the game as we enter free agency, the draft, and beyond. Also, we'll have my 55 facts about Super Bowl 55 up on PFF.com Wednesday, so check that out in addition to all of Andrew's great work as well. That's going to do everybody. Thank you for sticking with us here in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast all season. He's Andrew Erickson. I'm Ian Hardison. Until next time, take care, everybody. 